10, 15, you could stumble into doing the whole sermon and I wouldn't mind. Would you just be instant in season and out and share, share with us what God did in Kehiwin and what God's put on your heart? Do you mind? Were you in Kehiwin? Praise God. Welcome, Brother Gary. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, no. If anybody could put me on the spot, it's Jonathan. And uh, I just love the way he left his iPhone here for me. And uh, <laughs> it's got a great looking case on it. Thank God for that and everything. I, I'm still a Blackberry man, so, so you can have it back later. You'll just have to forgive me and, and work with that. So if 5, 10, 15, 20, a whole hour, man, that's, uh, what do you do with that? What? You work with it. Go, go with it. Let's, oh, praise the Lord. I, can I get another amen? Yeah, I say, all right. Oh, man, thank God. You know, I've been, uh, since we were in uh, Windsor, you were in Windsor with us there, and, and when John Bevere spoke about the Holy Spirit, God's been talking to me about the Holy Spirit for uh, probably months before that. And, and one of the things that I recognize, you know, Jonathan, you, you mentioned earlier, if you feel like you've been dry, you feel like your walk with God you, has been a little bit dry and everything, I, I you know, so many Christians that I talk to today, I find that they're, they're going through some of that. When I was a kid, I grew up in the church. I've only ever known living for Jesus. I got saved and spirit-filled by the time I was, I was spirit-filled by the time I was five years old, speaking in tongues. All my boys, by the time they're three. Isn't that awesome? Thank God for that. But I recognize that in the church sometimes, um, you know, we got the Holy Spirit in those hippie days those were still hippie days i don't know if there's any leftover hippies from are there any leftover hippies in your church are you got any starting hippies now because it seems like hippies are coming back like and that's okay that's okay but you know in those jesus days the jesus people days they called them uh you know a lot of people were just into the holy ghost and love and all of those things and it seemed like everybody was getting filled with the spirit and and all that was going on and if you got saved, the next question I asked you within like 30 seconds was, do you know the, do you know the Holy Spirit? And I, I have been around now in church, and I find that there's a lot of people who speak in tongues, but, and, and they operate in the gifts of the Spirit. But when I start talking to them about, do you really know the person of the Holy Spirit? Something changes. They're, they're, well, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I operate in the gifts. Well, that's great, but do you know the person of the Holy Spirit. He's a person. And he so, so wants to know us and so wants to walk with us. And if you begin reading in the book of Acts, I, you did tell me to bring my notebook, so this is uh, your fault. And uh, I've been uh, just studying, studying, studying. And I wrote down a number of verses here. Let me just find them. And I call it Holy Ghost Interaction. Holy Ghost Interaction, Acts chapter 5, verse 32. I'm just going to read a bunch of verses to you. We'll see where we go from there. And, and Acts 5, 32 says, We are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit. Acts 11, verse 12, And the Spirit told me to go with them. Acts eleven twenty eight. Then one of those, then one of them named Agabus stood up and showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. How about Acts 13 and verse 4? So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and, and there they sailed to Cyprus. Acts 15, 28. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, they were so close with the Holy Spirit, they didn't even necessarily have to hear the Holy Spirit say it. They just kind of knew what his heart would be. But the more I read in, in the book of Acts, the more I read, everybody says, we want a New Testament church. Really, do you know the Holy Ghost? Do you really know the Holy Ghost? Jesus said, it's going to be good for you that I go away. There's been a real big push in, in, a, in the last 20 years or whatever about the presence of God, the presence of oh, Jesus. We want to know you, Jesus. 
But Jesus said, it's actually good for you that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit. He said, I got so much to tell you in John 14. He said, I got so much to tell you, but I can't even tell you because you can't handle it. But when I go, the Holy Spirit, oh, thank God, the Holy Ghost is going to come to you. And he who is the spirit of truth is going to reveal all this to you. So it looks like you can't, you can't handle it now, but when he comes, he's going to expand your capacity. Can you do Christianity without the Holy Spirit? I don't think so. I think you can try, and I think you can do your best, and you, and you may make heaven. But can you really accomplish God's plan for your life without the Holy Spirit? I don't think so. How about this? Where do we stop? How about Acts 16 and verse 6? Now, when they had gone through that place in the region of Galatia, how do you say that, Jonathan? Huh? No, not Galatia. The first one. Phrygia. Phrygia? How would you like to come from Phrygia? Where are you from, Phrygia? I'm a Phrygianite, I guess. Anyway. Phrygia? Phrygia. I'm Phrygian. See, I come, from, I come to see Jonathan because he expands my, my thinking and my vocabulary. Phrygia is how you properly... How, Okay, thank you. See, uh, English from Jonathan. Okay, anyway, now when they had gone through Phrygia and the uh, region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach. I read that one day and I thought, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit forbade them to preach. That just blew me away when I first read that. That blew me away. You know, I kind of go through my life thinking, uh, but it's caused me to think this way. I used to think I'd just preach everywhere. And I even say this all the time. I say, I'll preach at the drop of the hat and I'll drop the hat if that's what it takes. And so when Jonathan said, go ahead, well, I thought, okay, I'll go ahead. I love to preach. I love to share the word. I'd be in a restaurant, I can be in the park, I can be uh, wherever, and I'll share the gospel. I love to share the gospel with people. But here the Holy Spirit is forbidding them to preach the gospel. I, I thought, God, what is that? He said, Gary, you have a good attitude in that you'll preach everywhere. But, and, and, and I never have to stop and think, should I preach if he hasn't said anything? Because he said, go in all the world and preach the gospel. Sometimes we're, we're sitting there waiting for him to tell us to preach. But I shifted and I saw this and I said, okay, how about I preach everywhere unless you tell me not to? Is that all right? That, but you got to know the Holy Spirit or else you'll never hear him say, this is not the time for you to do that. You got to know him. You have to know him. You have to know him. You know, the stability in, in local churches, the stability in, in Christians, is not going to happen without the Holy Spirit. That's right. Amen. The power to be witnesses, the power to grow, the power to, to be the people of God comes from that Holy Spirit. It's caused me, again, to take my uh, praying in tongues every day to a whole new level. It caused me to, to stop and to listen and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. We, we do a great job in the church today of creating an atmosphere for God to move. And I thank God for that. We should. Sometimes we need to stop and just say, Holy Spirit, we need your presence. We need your presence. You know, nothing revives me. I was thinking about it the other day, talking to my pastor about it. And uh, we were just going through some stuff and and we're talking about speaking in tongues. He said, you know, I, I don't know, Gary, if I would have ever made it without that time, that I, without being able to speak in tongues. When anxiety and fear and stress of ministry and all those things tries to come on me, I stop and I pray in the Holy Ghost and peace comes. I shared up with Gahee when one time I was 
Uh, I don't know if I shared this story before. I love the Holy Spirit, and so I talk about it sometimes everywhere I go. But I, I was, I, I talk about a number of these stories everywhere I go. Anyway, praise the Lord. If I told you this story, forgive me. It's a good one anyway. Uh, I, was, I was in a superstore. I used to work at superstore after Bible school and, and, and kind of bivocational in the ministry. And while I'm in there one day, a man comes in and he buys something with his son. It's just a little like $10 Walkman. You remember Walkmans? Cassette? You remember those? Thank God I'm not the only one. And, and, and he bought this thing and it was cheap. It's 10 bucks. It was it was cheap, but he was with his son when he bought it. And he went out to the car, and he opened it up, and he brought it back in and said, it's cheap. I don't want it. I said, of course it's cheap. It's ten- I didn't say that to him. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but <laughs> so I, I said, well, I can get the manager. He can come and give you your money back. I said, but it's open, so I can't give you your money back. He said, well, I want my money back, and you're going to give it to me. I said, I can't, but I'll just make a phone call. He said, you pick up that phone, and we're going to have trouble. I said, listen, i got to pick up the phone and call him, Andrew. He'll come back. He'll give you your money. It's 10 bucks. Just let me do that. got six people standing in line behind you. Just let me call him. He'll come. He'll take care of you. You just got to step over there. He said, I'm not stepping anywhere. You're not calling anybody. You're going to give me my money back. And I said, no, I'm not, because my job depends on this. I don't have the authority. But at that particular moment, I could feel my flesh rising and my spirit lowering. <laughs> it was like I could feel like all my spiritual strength was starting to drain on the floor and start to just kind of melt away. Because, you know, I'm still a young man. I got, I got some strength. I got, I, you, sir, you, no, no, sir, just don't go there. I'm thinking, I'm in the ministry. Don't make me do this. Uh, uh, it won't be good. You know, five-fold ministry. Here's five. I'm folding them, and I'm going to minister the laying on of hands hard, fast, and continuously. I, but as I felt all my strength going out on the floor, and then he says, I'm going to come over this counter, and, and I'm going to punch you out. I said, uh, now I'm really getting really agitated. I, uh, I put my finger in his face. I said, just a minute. And I knelt down behind the counter. I played with the papers. And at this particular point, I know my Christian witness is on the line. So I don't, everything else is out of the way. I just said, oh, and I began to pray in the Holy Ghost. My, my friend at the counter next to me, he's helping other customers. He kneels down. He says, what's that? I said, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, and he just went back to work. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's just weird. But so I play with some papers, and, and I could feel strength come back. You know why I could feel strength come back? Because I said, you know what? I'm not going to reach to my flesh. I'm going to reach to the Spirit. And it's a simple thing. But I felt that strength come back up into me. And when I stood up and I looked at him, I said, sir, I can make that phone call. And you can step over there, but otherwise I can't help you. And he put his stuff down on the thing, and he said, that's it. You just keep it. I'm out of here. And he left. Now, here's the powerful part. The next six people in line all asked me, how did you do that? Why did you not get mad at him? I said, God, help me. I prayed. God, help me to keep my peace. And those were the statements I was making. As a matter of fact, the third guy in line was about six foot four and about three foot shoulders, man. He was huge. He was like, I was so mad at him. If he come across that counter, I was going to take him out. <laughs> like, it's, it's okay, sir. You don't have to be mad anymore. He's gone. <laughs> I, that guy was ignorant. How did you not get mad? Well, I prayed. When I knelt, I prayed, and God helped me. So for all those people who stood in line, they heard about how God helped me keep my peace. The Holy Spirit, you cannot do, you just cannot. You don't have the strength. You don't have the ability in your flesh. Oh, I had an ability in my flesh to deal with that situation. That guy was too old, man. He was slow. He was done if he had come across that counter. But that's dealing with it in the flesh, and that would have not, that never would have helped my witness. I got people at work that I was witnessing to, sharing the gospel with. 
up in the photo lab. They used to have that photo lab up in the air. How many of you remember that? They're all looking down because this guy's causing a ruckus. They're all watching. What's Gary going to do now? <laughs> Five-fold ministry. <laughs> Let's see what the preacher does now. But when I could stand up with peace. And, you know, the other powerful part about it was his flesh was so risen up and so, so strong in him at that particular moment. The only thing that could diffuse that situation was the Holy Spirit hitting him back in the face. That spirit brought peace. You got to have the Holy Spirit. You got to know the Holy Spirit. It's not just a matter, you know, sometimes we make it about the gifts of the Spirit. And, oh, I prophesied. I spoke in tongues, interpretation of tongues, uh, healings, miracles, and, and faith. And thank God for all of those. But those really are not a sign of spirituality. They're not a sign of spirituality. Ronnie, how many people you've seen in the ministry over all these years? They operate in the gifts and things happen in their meetings and then they go home and they're living an apostate life. We sometimes wear the manifestations as a badge, but that's not what it's about. It's about knowing him. And when I know him, the gifts will operate. It's no big deal. I was just up at Cahewin, and there was healings. There was miracles. People were speaking in tongues and deliverances and salvations. And thank God for all of that. But the way that that really produces lasting eternal fruit is when it comes out of a heart of love from the Father. Paul wrote in Corinthians, he said, uh, are you sure? I'm still going. Paul wrote in Corinthians, he said, uh, uh, I can speak with tongues, but it's like clanging cymbals. It's like nothing. It means nothing without love. It's irritating. Actually, that's, that's true. And it talks about that. It's irritating. I don't know if you've ever been with somebody who's just religious and, and praying. I, I've been involved with, uh, maybe I shouldn't say it quite like this. Um, I won't name the associations. But I've been with other ministerial associations I've been involved with and sometimes led them and everything. You get to prayer time sometimes. And with, sometimes, excuse me, but sometimes with the religious folks, that it's just about rote and duty. They're just doing something because they're supposed to do it, quoting somebody else rather than really coming out of the heart. Now, don't get me wrong. I have an Anglican brother who used to be charismatic. He's a charismatic Anglican now, and he loves his liturgies because he stands there and he says, you know what? I love the fact that I'm praying a prayer that's been prayed for 800 years, and I'm in agreement with all my fathers before me. To him, that means something. And so it's not about just saying those things. Sometimes... The heart and the motives are absolutely pure and right. But I've been with other guys that they're reading out of their book or they're quoting their thing that they memorized, and it's just annoying. It's like, can we, can we get to the next prayer, please? You got no faith in this. You've got no hope in this. You don't. Do you know Jesus? Do you really know him? It's, it, without the love, it's just kind of annoying. But when you get to know the Holy Spirit and he comes in and he rebuilds your life, he expands your capacity for life. He expands your capacity for love. He takes your heart and he heals it and he restores it and he puts it all back together. All of a sudden, something changes on the inside of you. And now when you pray, it's out of this heart of love and it's this heart of compassion and it's heart of, of oh man, it, it just changes everything. The prayer is victorious. The prayer is triumphant. People's lives are changed, and, and it produces now, instead of just producing some fleshly or soulish fruit, it produces eternal fruit, spiritual fruit. That's the value of the Holy Spirit. That's the value of having them in our lives. I, I'm so, I, I, I just, I'm so stuck on him lately. 
And the wonderful part is it doesn't put Jesus out at all because all he does is testify of Jesus. It reminded me what Jesus taught. He taught me about Jesus taught the kingdom everywhere he went, right? Says that he went about preaching the kingdom, the authority and the rule of God. And so when he taught the authority and the rule of God, he taught about the kingdom. Now the Holy Spirit, he said that he's going to come. He's going to do two things. He's going he's to be your helper, your comforter, and your teacher and all that. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to, uh, let's see, it's uh, John 14, 26 and John 15, 26. And he says these two things. He says, he's going to remind you what I taught you. And he's going to testify of me. And I was, I was just pondering that and, and really focusing on that one day. And God said to me, that's how he gives you the power to be my witness. Because your life will then do the same two things. Everywhere you go, you'll remind them of the kingdom just like Jesus did. And everywhere you go, you'll testify of what Jesus has done. And so if all I ever do is teach what Jesus taught and testify of him, hey, I'm a witness now. In both my life, with my words, with my actions, my family testifies of him. Just we walk in the room and people say, I don't know what it is. You have great kids. How come uh, all, all through, when they were young, I'd be in a restaurant. I can't tell you how many people came up to me and said, how come your children are so good? Well, I, I got to tell you, it's, it's Beth. She does all the work. <laughs> it's my wife. And then I get to tell them, you know, we, they're, they're a lot of work, but they're worth it. We just do what God told us to do with them. He said they're a blessing, and so we train them the way God said. Yes. You like how they acted today in the restaurant? Oh, man, they were great. Sometimes I was thinking, are you kidding me? <laughs> they were like loud. They were just, I was trying to shh, shh, shh. And somebody, just that's the day somebody comes and says, your children are so wonderful. <laughs> I'm thinking, really? I was trying to talk to Jonathan the whole time, and they wouldn't be quiet. But they come and they say, what is, so you see, as my life is connected with the Holy Spirit, he's taught me to train my children in the things of God and to testify of God to my children. My children have a relationship with him. They speak in tongues. They know the Holy Spirit. We stop sometimes at, at prayer in the evening and we just say, okay, let's, we're going to just do this. I say, Let's pray, and, and while I'm praying, I said, Father God, I'm asking you just to speak to the boys. We're going to take a moment. We're going to be silent because, God, I know if I tell them about you, they might walk for, for you. They might live for you, but if you'll talk to them, I know they'll live for you. So then we just take a minute, and I wait for a few moments, sometimes a minute, sometimes two, three, four, five minutes, and we're just silent there listening. And then I look at the boys and say, did God talk to you? Yeah, he talked to me. And so what he's saying, we begin to talk about it, and we're testifying of Jesus. I know why they're good when I go out with them. Because they know Jesus, and they know the Holy Spirit. I read over in a... In a Ephesians chapter 5. I know so many people who struggle with sin in their life. I read over Ephesians chapter 5, and he starts out making statements like, don't be fornicators. Well, he actually starts out with, imitate God as dear children. Just be like God. And he goes on, he talks about a few things. Don't get into uh, fornication and all those other things. And then he says in verse, five, or verse 8 there, he says, you were once darkness. But now are you light, so walk as children of the light. And, I, and I've, I've preached that. I don't know how many times I've preached it. I talked about the grace of God and the power of God to be Christians and to walk as light. And, and this year when I was reading it, I, I'm, I'm reading it again in context, not like that's new to me. I, I, I read in context yeah. quite often. Context is important. You do realize context is important. 
I was sharing this with my church, and I said, context is important. If we go out to the basketball game, and, and your son comes off, and uh, he says, man, I'm on fire tonight. I got like 20 points in the first quarter. You're like, yeah, he's on fire. You're cheering for him. But if he comes running out of a building that's on fire, and he says, I'm on fire. You don't cheer. Yay. Context is important. Now I'm reading in Acts, in, in, or sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, and I got to verse 8, and it's, walk his children of the light. One of my favorite verses. I love it. But then I'm reading on, and I realize within context, he goes on to say, you know, don't do this, don't do that. But then he says, so don't be foolish. He's still talking about, he hasn't changed his concepts. He hasn't changed his discussion. He's still talking about imitating God and walking his light. And he says, so don't be foolish. Understand what God's will is. Be continually filled with the Spirit. I have known so many people who struggle with sin in their Christian walk. You know what my question is now, Jonathan? How's your relationship with the Holy Spirit? I discovered it's really hard to sin while praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on, sir. Come on. Is that all right? Yeah, you just try it. Okay. We're going to rent this show. It's like R-rated. It's got stuff we know we shouldn't watch. It's PG, it's, it's general, it's got stuff we shouldn't watch. Welcome to Hollywood today. G-rated used to mean something. Anyway, praise the Lord. You, you know, you try and watch that thing while praying in the Holy Ghost. It's really difficult because all of a sudden, the first word that they say that's just a little off color, the first joke they say is a little off color, you know, you'll recognize, you'll feel the Holy Spirit is, is grieved at that point. Amen. Holy Spirit's a person. He can be grieved. I remember as a young man, uh, we were together with my parents, and, and we had rented a show. My dad and my mom are there. My dad, the preacher, the pastor, and, and everything. And I heard about this show. My friends were all bragging about the show. Oh, you got to see the show. You got to see the show. Yeah, oh, cool. This is awesome. Well, my mom and dad, the pastor, and the man and woman of God is like, oh, Jesus is in the room with me. And, and, and my dad was my best friend growing up as my pastor, as my, as my father, and, and everything. I saw God in my dad. I'm much like Jonathan would have with David. And, and so when I sat down to watch this movie, everybody's talking about, we got to see the show. We got to see the show. And dad graciously said, okay, well, here's some money. Go rent it. We'll sit down. And we're having family night. We're watching this movie. And all of a sudden, there's these foul words that come out. And all, uh, just inside, I went, uh, it's like somebody hit me. My mom's here. And then as it went a little further, uh, you know, other things started to happen. Uh, there was a scene with a man and a woman, and I don't have to go any further, right? Well, that movie went off really, really fast because my mom's in the room. And I could tell right away this was grieving. And I thank God they were in the room because we turned it off. My mom, when I was... When I was uh, much younger. You remember Star Wars? Most of you remember Star Wars. The second one, was it The Empire Strikes Back or something? I, I, I don't even know them because of what happened. I never saw Star Wars. And then The Empire Strikes comes back. Or the, the Empire Strikes comes back. Anyway. <laughs> I don't even know how to say the title. But we went to the show, and there was a lineup for like two blocks. And my friends wanted to go, and their parents said it was okay. And so I got two of my friends with me. And we walk into the door, and we just stood in line for like an hour and a half to get in the theater. And we're sitting in there, and we're all excited. Yay! Yay! I never saw the first one, but I don't know why I'm excited, just because everybody said And we sit down, and then all of a sudden... Luke Skywalker's there, and he's with this little green thing, Yoda, and he starts levitating stuff. And my mom recognizes what's going on as Eastern religion. 
I'm there with my two friends from school. And my mom gets up and she goes to the lobby and she's thinking, oh, I don't want to embarrass my son. She walks back and forth for, I don't know, it maybe was 30 seconds because it doesn't take my mom long to make this decision. And she comes back and she says, sorry, Gary, but we have to leave. She was so grieved in her spirit by that thing. It grieved her spirit to watch that. I learned from that. You know, I watched my mama growing up, and, and it didn't matter. When I come home, I didn't know if my mom was going to be speaking in English or in tongues. I come home from school, and I walk by her bedroom. She's on her knees. But my mom knew the Holy Spirit. Changed my life, kept me safe some days. <laughs> I just told him this story up at Cahewan. Mom didn't hear this till I was like in my 30s. I come home one day and she says, what were you doing? <laughs> Nothing. What do you mean, what was I doing? Jonathan doesn't have any of these stories. He was a good boy. Uh, <laughs> she says, what were you doing? I said, Nothing. We were just, ha- I was hanging out with Grant. I used the words hanging out. I was always, always concerned about words. I grew up in a word of faith home, and so I knew words were important. So I didn't lie. I just said we were hanging out. Well, maybe it wasn't completely the truth because I kind of omitted a few facts. What had happened was we were hanging out, and we decided we're going down a, an old dirt road up and down and everything. And so uh, like we'd seen in the shows and movies and things, I hooked I st- Stepped up on the hood of the truck while he was driving at 60 miles an hour. And I'm, I'm surfing down the road. Woo-hoo, this is great fun. Till I got tired and said, I want in. And he said, no. And he just laughed at me. And so I, with all the brains in my head, remember those old 80s Chevrolet trucks? Okay. You know how that mirror was on the side there and it was just kind of bolted into the metal? It was... That metal wasn't very strong, was it? Here's what I did with all my wisdom and strength, about 125 pounds of me. I grabbed onto the windshield wiper, because it's really strong. And, and I, I got over onto that mirror, hanging on the mirror, 60 miles an hour. You go, oh, the road's going like this. Because oh. you got to pick a road that goes up and down. It's, it's more fun, right, for surfing. And, and intersections. Woo. And I'm on the side. I'm hanging on the mirror. I'm holding on to the windshield wiper because it's strong. It's anchoring me. And I, I make my way around. I hold on to the mirror. I get down to the, the, the running boards. And I, go, and I open that door. It's hard to open a door at 60 miles an hour enough to get in. And I push it open. And I climb in. And my friend is laughing at me. And I'm like, you're a jerk, man. And I'm laughing at him. Oh, we're all funny. It was all funny because I got in. But I got home, and Mom says, what you doing? What were you doing, boy? I was being stupid. <laughs> I could just see the officer come to the house. Ma'am, we regret to inform you. Your son's in the hospital because he was being stupid. But the Holy Spirit, she knew the Holy Spirit. She knew the Holy Spirit. And she knew I was doing something wrong. She said, listen, I know, I know something wasn't right, Gary. Because I've been praying for you for the last two hours. The Holy Spirit had me on my knees. Uh, uh, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I began to learn a lot about the Holy Spirit in those days by watching my mom. Can't, you can't do this thing. You can't be a good parent without the Holy Spirit. You can't be a good parent without the Holy Spirit. You can't truly love the way God wants you to love. You can't love like Christ loved the church. You can't love others the way you're supposed to without the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit. Can we, can we just do this just... Just close your eyes, close your books for a minute, do whatever you need to do. Just I have come to know this, that he could do more in a moment than I could do in an hour, than I could do in 20 hours. 
We have atmosphere. We have, pres- we have all the things going on. We're all here together, and the Holy Spirit's here with us. Holy Spirit, just come fresh. Come new. Fill us again. Like it says in Ephesians, to be being continually filled. Fill us fresh today. Fill us fresh today. How many of you sense that? How many of you recognize the Holy Spirit come fresh to you there? You do that? Can you, can you sense that? I once was believing God for healing in my back. And it was the kind of thing that it was a continual thing. I was going over and over and over with this thing. It just seemed like it kept injuring it. And something would happen. And I get healed and then it, it would get injured again. And I just was, it was a plague on my house. And I just would always have to deal with this thing. I always got my healing. I knew how to get my healing. Lynn Zoderman was with us one time, and he was ministering, and he had young people come up and, uh, and stand at the front. And anybody that needed healing, he said, you just come, and these young people are going to pray for you. A young man by the name of Lucas Warner at the church there in Prince Albert, he laid his hands on me and prayed. And in that moment, my spirit said, yes, I'm healed. This thing is done. I'm never going to have to deal with this again. And I turn around and my back still hurt. And, uh, but I just knew in my heart, faith attached to that thing, this was, this was it. I'm done. Next day, that was Saturday night, Sunday morning, came to service. And uh, I was talking to Lynn about it. And I told Lynn, I was testifying. I said, I'm healed. I'm completely healed. He said, really? That's awesome. He said, so there's no pain. And I said, oh, no, there's, I, I can feel it. It's all tight still and everything. But I know I got my healing. It's done. I'm never going to have to deal with this again. It's been recurring and recurring for probably 20 years. Started when I was like 15, 16 years old. I'm never going to have to deal with it again. He said, that's awesome. And he put his hand on my back at that moment. And he said, that's tight. And he said, whoa. And my wife had put her hand on, a, on my back at the same time. He said, did you feel that? And she said, yeah. And in that split second, because I just lifted my hands and I was thanking, thanking God for it. Because he said, let's thank God for it. So I said, thank you, Lord. And he said, it just went from tight to loose, just like that, in that moment. And then this happened. He looked at me. He said, do you know what's so awesome about that, Gary? Because you've now been there once, you can always go back and access that place with God again. And that so stuck with me. Only... Only like two times has my back ever bothered me again. One of them was quite a few years later. I was shoveling at our church down in Medicine Hat, and the alleyway, our front, uh, our front door is actually on the alleyway overlooking the, the coulee. It's a beautiful view and everything. Jonathan's tea has seen it. We sat out and had barbecue with the uh, young people. We need to do that again. And, and I had to shovel the entire thing because it had just, I, we were fresh, new there, didn't have a snowblower, didn't have anything. It was just me. And so I shoveled the entire, uh, it's probably 150 yards I shoveled. And at the end of it, I stopped and my back went, oh. And so for a few days, I was like, oh, man. And I went to see a kinesiologist and a chiropractor, and it just got worse. And then I'm sitting in prayer, and God said, what are you doing? 
I said, well, God, this is just, you know. And he said, no, Gary. It's like two years ago. What are you doing? And then I remembered those words from Lenz Oderman. I remember the words that said, you can go back to that place at any time because you've been there. And so I stopped. And I'm just sitting in the fellowship hall at the church on a chair by myself. And I just said, okay, well, I'm going to go there. I've, I've spent money, doctors, and all of that again. It's been like three days. And I've, I, can't, I can't walk straight. I'm, I'm standing like this. And I just said, God, thank you for my healing. And in my heart, I, I, just, I just went to that place of thankfulness for my healing. And instantly again, it was gone. I was straight, I stood up straight. I went back into the room, and Beth, Beth could look at me and said, you're healed. Because you could see it. I was walking straight all of a sudden. It was just instant. I said, I went back to that place. I learned something. You come to church, and you get into that presence like we were just in, and you can go back there anytime. Like me, when I knelt down behind that counter, filled it with some papers, I, and I told my friend, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. Okay. <laughs> I don't have time to deal with you. I got to get in the Spirit. I got to get back to that place. I got to get my strength back. So you can be out in the field, you can be downtown, you can be dealing with uh, ugly customers, ugly relatives. No, you guys don't have ugly relatives. Uh, ugly neighbors, whatever it is. And you can go back and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. And you can access that place again. Anytime. You've been there now. You've been there now. So if I, had an, if I had a word of encouragement for you today, it would be to reconnect in higher ways with the Holy Spirit. Trust him. He is trustworthy. Whatever you come up against, the power to fulfill God's plan for your life is in him. I, I just can't get over it. These disciples are walking with Jesus, and Jesus says, this has been good, boys, but I got something better. Paul, who never walked with Jesus, wrote things that made Peter stop and say, in the book of Peter, was it... Uh, is it First Peter three? Anyway, he said this guy wrote thing. He's talking about Paul, and he says he's written things that are hard to understand. This is a man who walked with Jesus, and he's saying about Paul, this guy's got stuff that's hard to understand. Who taught him? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. <laughs> that you know what that means? You can get so into God that when you meet Peter and John, they say, "Man, I wish I knew on earth what you knew on earth." Isn't that awesome? John, the guy who who really, when we look at it, he's got one of the greatest revelations of Jesus Christ the world's ever known. Yeah, he's going to be able to look at you and say, "You know, uh, I just wish I'd have known him like you knew." on the earth oh I know him better now because I've been with him here now but we just have so much available to us so much available to us I better I better be done soon Jonathan oh man can I do one more thing? Is one more okay? Acts chapter 19. Let's go back to our Bibles. It's good to open your Bible in church. I love God's word. 
Oh, thank God. I, I love you guys. I love this church. I was talking about David and his impact on my life when I was up in Cahewan with uh, Kevin. I was talking. You know, David so impacted my life because whenever I was with David, I, I, I bet if the president of the United States walked in a room, David wouldn't have paid attention to him. He paid attention to me. I said, I'd be at a minister's conference, and I was in, in those days, positionally, I was kind of a nobody. And I was talking with David and Brownie, and David and Brownie loved me so much. I don't, it, the big name minister walked in a room, and they didn't turn their head. I mattered. At that particular moment in time, I felt like I mattered more. And it's been something, i got to tell you, Brownie, that has, it so impacted me in those days when you guys did that. i got to thank you. Because you know what it really was? i got to tell you, it was the Holy Ghost in them. They valued people in such a way that it caused them to not, it wasn't about position, it wasn't about name, it wasn't about accolades, it wasn't any of that. It was, who are you? I care about you. And that changed, it has changed my life in ministry. And now it's one of the things that I, I, I try to model wherever I go. When I'm with you, I try to be with you. I don't know if I'm as good as it, at it as they are, but... Thank God. I have this all marked in my other Bible. <laughs> so, oh, let me see. I might have it written down here. Yeah. Acts 19, 1 to 7. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? I love this because it, it talks about the importance. We don't have to read the whole thing for time. But if you read the whole thing, really the importance of the Holy Spirit becomes really, really clear because, oh, you know Jesus. Now do you know the Holy Spirit? The very next question out of his mouth. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Do you know the Holy Spirit? And we have not even so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We haven't even heard about him. I think about the church. I do get to travel a little bit. I don't travel a lot, but I do get to travel a little bit. And I get around other Christians in my own city a lot. I get around a lot of other ministers. One man, I, I was talking to him. He, he now sends people in his church. When they hear about the Holy Spirit, he's, he actually has them call me. Because he doesn't, he doesn't understand the Holy Spirit yet. Now I'm working on him, and he's getting there. He's getting there. But his, his denomination told him for years that not everybody speaks in tongues and not everybody does this. And, every, and I said, well, not everybody does, but everybody can. And why would you not want to? But as I move around in different churches and different circles, I find there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus or don't know the Holy Spirit. Sorry. They know Jesus. And you know what? You know what really saddens me? Is that a lot of those are in quote unquote charismatic Pentecostal churches. They're supposed to know him. I realize that I've watched over the years, my parents were in that in that era that everybody was just getting filled with the Spirit. It was the, it was the question. Once you got someone saved, it was just like Paul here. So you've been saved. Now do you know the Holy Spirit? That's what happened for my dad. 
alcoholic, 25% of his liver left. He's, he's, got, he's just about done. Doctors are saying, you're going to die if you keep drinking. He can't quit. And he goes to a, an Anglican, uh, Anglican Catholic Bible study. And a priest leads him to Christ and gets him filled with the Spirit. And all he says to him is, you're a new creature in Christ. He's speaking in tongues and he's a new creature in Christ. And he never has another drink. He goes to work the next day and they say, so, you want to drink, Gary? He says, no thanks, I don't drink anymore. And thinks to himself, these were, these were his words. Asked him again just this year because I want to make sure I get it right. He said, yeah, those were my words. He said, no thanks, I don't drink anymore. And then thought to himself, I wonder why I said that. I guess I am new. Isn't that something? It was in that era, just everybody. The difficulty is, is that sometimes when one generation gets it like that, we just think it's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, everybody's doing it. And so we all do it. And if we're not careful, our next generation, they may speak in tongues, but they don't really know the Holy Spirit the way we knew him. Because they don't understand the importance of it. They just think, well, this is just what everybody does. And so they do it along with us. But if we're not careful within a generation or two, it's faded out in its importance. It's not quite what it used to be. And I got to tell you, if I look at the Pentecostal quote, not talking about the denomination, not the denomination, but the quote unquote Pentecostal charismatic churches of today, you find a lot of people. It's, it's, I have found this. It's easier to get people filled with the spirit that aren't in a Pentecostal charismatic church. And that's sad because they think, well, you know, we're Pentecostal and we're doing okay. The Holy Spirit that you have, they need it out there. You receive freely. You've received freely give. Is this all right, Jonathan? My encouragement to you, find time every day, often every day, and just say, God, fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again. Be in a continual state of being filled by the Spirit. I said as a minister, I always want to minister out of the overflow of my heart. I don't want to have to... I don't want to have to work something up so that I can minister. What do you do for a living? Again? You're a rancher. And as you go about your daily business, you're really, your ranching is what you do for some source of supply into your life, but God's really your source. It's just an assignment on your life. Help take care of your family and do some other things. But your real job is that you're a minister of God. My good friend Mark Davey always says, you're a missionary. Every, every Christian a missionary. Now, minister doesn't mean up here. Minister means when you're over at Texaco or Texaco. Is there even Texaco around anymore? Like that was, wow. I was just in Montana. Maybe it's a flashback or something. I was on the motorbike in Montana. It was a wonderful trip up by Glacier International. Anyway. Esso. Do you buy gas at Esso? <laughs> Wherever you are, Petro-Canada, Esso. You're a minister there. But here's a thought for you. If it's important for me to never stand behind the holy desk and minister out of myself, to always minister out of the overflow of my heart, it is just as important for every one of you in your daily walk to minister out of the overflow of your heart. You must be filled with the Spirit continually every day. When you do, you're going to come across people that need Jesus. You're going to come across people. Yeah, 
And we've said this in the church for years, that if we're not ready for them, God won't bring them to us. We recognize that as leaders. So we prepare our church for what God's going to do. We don't prepare it for where we're at. We prepare it for where he's taking us. You have to prepare ahead of time for the ministry that God's called you to. You have to be in that state of being continually filled. God's good. Amen. Oh, yeah. So get filled up, get stirred up, get out there and reach everybody. I should tell you, you guys pray for us. I just promised by the Holy Spirit to tell you, you know, since January, our church has doubled. And your prayers are being answered. We had another church that actually uh, went through some things and, and they went from 40 people to three. And a pastor came and sat in my office and I, I ministered to him and we, we, we fixed that thing and we got him back to 23. And the other, quite honestly, the other 17, it was okay that they left. That's just the truth of it. Having said that, once he got it all fixed up, he said, you know what? God put in my heart. We're going to close our doors. We're going to come join you. And they've been just a blessing in our house. Uh, he's a great evangelist at heart. And so we're about to just release him into some things. And God's doing great things. And then at the same time, the same Sunday they show up, I'm thinking, wow, that church is much bigger than I thought it was because we went from 45 to 96 that day. And I went, look at this. This is awesome. And, and then I started looking around, and I realized there was five other avenues that God had brought people through the doors. And all of them stayed. All of them stayed, Brownie. <laughs> Thank God. And there's been some more coming and everything. And God's just opened the doors for us. We are, we're under an open heaven right now. And I thank you for your prayers. They're being answered. I need to encourage you. God will encourage you. Thank, thank God to you. Let's, let's just, uh, why don't we just lift our hands and thank God. I love the power of thankfulness, and that's a whole other message, so we're not going there. God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for who you are. Thank you, God. Mostly, we thank you for who you are. You loved us. Before we even could love you, you loved us. And then you gave us the power to love you back. It's so awesome. God, you're so great. How would we do it without you? We're so thankful to you. But we are thankful, God, that you didn't leave us alone. You, you built us up. You strengthened us. And you took us into being a whole new people. We are now strong because of you. We are now bold because of you. We are now able because of you. And we're thankful for that, God. I thank you for this church. And I thank you for their covenant with us. And I thank you that we walk together. Lord, my heart, when I, whenever I think of the word church, both here in Loon Lake, my heart is open wide. We love them, God. Beth and I, we pray for them and we believe, God, for great things here. Lord, I, I'm so thankful for them. I, God, as a favor, I'm asking you to just bless them because they've been such a strength and a blessing to us. In days when we needed it so bad, they came to our, our aid in, in, in ways that they don't even know. God, we're so thankful for them. Bless them, Father God. Just empower them to prosper in every way. I pray, Father God, as, as they do tap into that Holy Spirit fresh and new, Holy Spirit, I pray you strengthen them in such a way. And you'd open such great doors that they'd be able to reach out and, and, and the, the lost are coming in. And they're not just coming through the doors to get saved, but they're coming and saved, converted, and living for the kingdom. Yes. Holy Spirit filled. Uh, and, and then going back out to reach their old friends and bring them back into the kingdom, Father God. I'm declaring, Father God, in Jesus' name, a great revival and souls coming into the kingdom. In Jesus' name. 
God, we love them. You love them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I don't know if, if there's anybody you want me to pray for, or if anybody wants prayer or whatever, I'll just give it over to Jonathan, and, and uh, it's all yours, sir. Thank you so much. Hey, hey you let me do that. Yeah, wow, you got to come. I love you, man. I left the iPhone now.